Chair, staff is ready when you are. Okay, good evening and welcome to Monday, August 14th, 2023. Sacramento Community Police Review Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll and establish quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Sample, present. Commissioner Johnson, or John Johnson is absent. Commissioner uh, Z Johnson is absent. Commissioner Bliss. Commissioner Carter Martinez. Present. Commissioner Buenrostro. Present. Commissioner Carter. Present. Commissioner Guerrero. Present. Commissioner Marion is absent. Commissioner Salazar. Present. And Chair Castillo Krings. Here. Thank you. We have quorum. Great. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip. Um, when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, use the raise your hand feature to provide co public comment on, on the desired item. If you are online, click on the raise hand on the bottom of your screen. If you're using um, the mobile app, go ahead and raise your hand by tapping on that feature and also on the more tab. If you are calling via telephone, um, to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, star six. Speakers will be called based on the last four digits of their phone number. And to provide greater community participation, we are also increasing the time that speakers are allowed to speak. For matters not on the agenda, um, the public will have five minutes, and for other things, they will have three minutes for items listed on the agenda. And with that, let's proceed with today's um, agenda. First, we have to do the land acknowledgement. Please rise for the opening. Uh, acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and, tr and tribal lands. To the original people of the land, the Nisan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plain Meekwok, the Patwin Wintoon, peoples and the peoples of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk besides us on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contribution and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Okay, so moving on to our first item of business, it's the approval of the consent calendar. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, our speaker is Halia. Good afternoon, Commission. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, so in respect for everything and the work that's being done, I'll get straight to the point. 
Um, so I just have a few clarifying questions. Um, number one, um, what does the green and red highlight mean in the MUs uh, in like the annual uh, military usage report? Um, what is that like? What is the meaning of the green and red? Um, and that really needs to be spelled out specifically for community members, as well as the blacked out sections like under um, hazardous materials. Um, as far as the community meetings that were held at the Hagenwood Community Center and I believe Hart Community Center, um, sort of staying in line, um, getting straight to business. Uh, every single piece of advertising I could find that was put out from the commission did not um, state it's the, the necessity of, a, of SAC PD to have a meeting in order for its uh, military use policy to be approved. Um, that is a rough, rough summary. Um, and then I am not sure, but where is the summary of the 2023 responses that came out of those meetings? Unless there were none. Um, that's like, I looked through the entire report and I was confused on where those were. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is the commission's choice not to add most of the recommendations um, from the 2022 ad hoc meeting. I just want to know the reasoning behind why specifically five were chosen. And that is all. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Chair, I have no more speakers with their hands raised. Thank you for those comments. And now, can we respond to the speaker? If it'll come up while you're discussing the actual item, then I think that's more appropriate. Vice Chair, will you bring that up when we bring up our, our next discussion item? Yes, I can bring Thank that up you. the next discussion item. Great. So with that, do I have a motion to approve the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission meeting minutes for the meeting of June 12th? So moved. Do I have a second? Second. Perfect. So I think I have um, Commissioner Guerrero, then C Commissioner Carter Martinez second. And we have an extra with Commissioner Sample. <laughs> Thank you. So with that, Clerk, please call the roll. Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Sample? Aye. Commissioner J. Johnson is absent. Commissioner Z. Johnson? Yes. Commissioner Bliss? Yes. Commissioner Carter Martinez? Yes. Commissioner Buenrostro? Aye. Commissioner Carter? Aye. Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Marion is absent. Commissioner Salazar? Aye. And Chair Castillo Krings? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Great. Now we're moving on to our discussion calendar. Um, we are reviewing item number one, proposed outline of the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission's recommendations to council and community outreach and um, the SPD's military equipment use policy and report. 
And just to provide an overview, and I invite all of the commissioners that have been working in the subgroup with me to kind of step in and make sure that I, miss, I don't miss anything. So as many of you recall, part of our work group at the beginning of the year was to ensure that we were gonna be collaborating with PD and also the city, uh, the city manager's office to ensure that there was gonna be a more robust community input process than what happened last year. Over the last couple of months, we've been working on setting those up. And over July, we actually concluded three community forums. And each one was a little bit of an iterative process and a little fluid. We would, whatever we didn't get correct in the first one, we try to improve it on the second one and so forth. There's still a lot of lessons learned that we are gonna continue to kind of put forth to the city council. Just as a quick overview of the timeline. So the police um, department ended up issuing their annual military equipment use report from May 1st of 2022 to April 30th of 2023. And we are working with them to actually take what we learned from those community forums. We are kind of putting that into a report that is gonna move forward as with, this, with, their, with the SPD report to ensure that the conversations that happen inform the discussion that is happening both in law and ledge committee and at city council. Um, and so one of the things we can, would like to go through is just provide a little more context for those of you that were not able to participate because of the Brown Act. And with that, I'm gonna look over at my other commissioners that participated and make sure that, you know, I'm capturing everything. And before we do that, do we have to go to a public comment? Are there any members of the public wishing to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have two hands raised online. Our first speaker is Jennifer. Hi, thank you. My name is Jennifer Tu. I work for the American Friends Service Committee. Uh, we have been supporting communities across California with AB 481 implementation. Uh, we want to thank the commission for drafting the letter outlined under consideration and agree with the commission's, uh, sorry, with the subgroup's assessment that the proposed annual use report and the previously approved use policy failed to comply with state law. AB 481 requires that law enforcement agencies submit an annual report on the use of each type of military equipment. The law also defines type as an item that shares the same manufacturer model number. So for example, when you're looking at the armored vehicles, that means you need three separate use reports for the Bearcat G2, the Bearcat G3, and the Rook. Uh, there are over 80 drones, but only 11 types of drones. So you would only need 11 use reports uh, for the drones as required by state law. The state law also requires that in each of these per equipment type use reports, the total annual cost must include the personnel cost associated with that weapon. That means that if an assault weapon requires maintenance, the total cost is not restricted to the cleaning materials. It also includes the personnel time and the cost of that time for the cleaning. If uh, training is required, the cost includes uh, not just what's paid to that training organization, but it also includes, uh, it also must include the cost of the personnel time spent on that training. Uh, so again, thank you to the members of the commission who, uh, who looked into this and drafted the letter outline. Uh, I hope the commission votes to complete and send this letter and uh, urge Sacramento City Council to fully comply with California state law on police use of militarized equipment. Thank you. 
Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is John. Uh, good evening, commissioners. I, I do believe that the chair said that would be three minutes for agendized items. Um, thank you so much for this uh, session and for the, all the effort that the commission has put into this. Um, I want to um, echo my my colleague Jennifer Tu's comments. I work for the American Friends Service Committee, um, and we work extensively on issues of implementation of AB 481. Um, two uh, central comments. One has to do with the timeline for uh, approval by the city council, which um, as I understand it, uh, there, the city attorney has stated that it must be approved by the city council by September 13th, because that's the date last year when it was approved. But AB 481 does not give a 12 month deadline for city council uh, reapproval. It gives a 12 month deadline for the, the use report that is submitted by the law enforcement agency. Um, the requirement in terms of timing for the city council is annual. So uh, it doesn't mean that it has to be within 12 months. It just means it has to be once a year. Um, the other thing is, I think, a more important aspect, which is at the community meeting at Hagenwood Center, uh, it became clear that the department is reporting on use uh, for weapons that fire, like uh, rifles or uh, uh, launchers of munitions, of so-called less lethal munitions, um, that they're reporting on use when it is fired, when the weapon is discharged. Um, rather than also when it's uh, deployed or displayed. And yet the use policy uh, in, in the department's uh, proposed uh, military equipment policy um, is referring to when those weapons are um, uh, displayed or, or deployed. So that's, uh, you can't really have it both ways, right? You can't say, okay, uh, authorized use when you're doing the annual report means it's only when it's discharged, um, but authorized use in the use policy means when it's deployed. And in fact, if it is only when it's deployed, uh, if, or if it does refer to uh, discharging the weapon in the use policy, then it's really uh, alarming because the authorized uses as defined in the use policy are very broad for those weapons. If, if it's referring to, to discharge of the weapon, like when there's a quote threat, then it is a, an extremely broad authorization for discharging a lethal or less lethal weapon. So I hope uh, that you will incorporate that into your recommendations to the council um, and also uh, demand uh, the time that is needed in order to really work this policy through both with the department as well as with the council and the community, thanks. Thank you for your comment. Your time is complete. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I have no more hands raised. Great. A little more context because I know that the agenda item is very meaty and many of you that have not had an opportunity to read it or kind of digest some of the documents. 
So let me step back. Um, there were three community uh, forums that we conducted throughout the city. Two of them are recorded. Before they, we recorded them in order for them to inform the report, we asked permission from the community members. If there was an objection, then that recording did not happen. So again, um, two out of the three, there are recording. They are actually available on SPD's transparency page for anybody who wishes to go back and hear them. I think what we really took away from this experience was that there is a really big need in the community to have additional discussions between PD and community. I think there were a lot of um, frustration. It was, uh, there was not just on the MEU, but in policing in general. And some of that feedback was actually very helpful in terms of the work that the commission can do and how we can partner up with community to ensure that there is a forum outside of city council meetings. So it's not just kind of two minutes that everybody has. Again, a lot of these were pretty well attended. We ended up having over 60 people. All of them required about two and a half to three hours, and it was full discussion. And so what we kept hearing was, again, not just MEU, but it was kind of some of the frustration that community was saying. Um, I think there was this, this um, gentleman that spoke very eloquently, basically saying to the police, I would vote for you to kind of have continued augmentation of your budget. I would continue to support additional equipment that you want to purchase, but you have to come out into the community and make sure that you are one of us, that you actually see yourself as a community member. And by doing that, we start changing the, the conversation. And he said, I've had bad experiences with police. I've had positive experiences with police. I basically don't, I'm not your enemy. I, you have to be part of my community. And so it was a very powerful moment. And I think that is kind of illustrative of what we're trying to create in the commission, to just kind of collaborate and create a balance. And so we can have these difficult conversations in a way that it can help actually influence the, the policy that is being uh, done at city council. So as um, one of the speakers was actually saying, PD is going to go in front of Law and Ledge August 15th. And then they're actually scheduled to go in front of city council on September 5th. We are working with Audriel and we're gonna be working with the city clerks and also the chair of that um, committee to see if we can get a waiver so that city council can actually take up our, our annual report on MEU in conjunction with PD. So I'm looking at my other commissioners. Anything else that I'm missing? Any other questions from other commissioners? Commissioner I have Bliss. to add to this, but I, I want to make space for other commissioners who have uh, been both, especially from the work group, as well as uh, those who have been tuning in. So uh, I'll, I'll wait and hold my comments until uh, uh, more folks have spoken. Commissioner Guerrero. Um, uh, Vice Chair Bliss, I would normally, um, I, I see what you're saying, but I actually would love the context. I will say I was one of the commissioners that wasn't able to attend and uh, the context is really helpful to me. I do have a question, but I actually would really like to hear from those that could attend the full, you know, comments that you have. Um, and so that, you know, we'll educate the rest of us and maybe um, inform the questions that we ask. Sure thing. So I was only able to attend uh, two out of the three, uh, the last two being the ones that we uh, were able to have facilitated. And one of the key takeaways I uh, for me coming into that conversation was there is there is a tremendous amount of distrust that community members have, not just for the police department, but for the city processes as a whole, um, that really requires us to acknowledge and be upfront about 
going into these conversations. Um, we, this is the first time that we have like hosted um, community input sessions uh, of this degree. And we had, a, we had prepared the outreach plan and uh, as well as um, an agenda for how these meetings might go, which included you know, facilitated conversation, overview of both uh, the uh, city's policy as well as the state law, AB 481, as uh, followed by breakout sessions. And what we got for, uh, from community members was that that's too formal of a, like, of a conversational process. And there needs to be space for community members to actually vent their rights of frustration uh, within that, which is why we ended up being much more flexible with these conversations and allowing folks to really just share their concerns, which is where, which is actually how we got a lot of the input and feedback uh, from this policy, but just allowing people to just you know, be able to talk in like a round robin format, um, you know, under a set of community agreements uh, that folks could, uh, could go along with to make sure everybody felt heard. Um, one of the things that really stuck out for me, uh, like for, in terms of what people were saying was that, uh, was the, the point blank question of why should, like, why should members of the community even attend these sessions? Given that uh, members of, uh, uh, that in the past, Community members have come up to city council, um, include, uh, you know, the commission has submitted hundreds of recommendations over the years, and all of which have been all, like basically ignored. And the, like a lot of people were rightfully frustrated. Why, like, why bother attending, especially when some co uh, council members weren't even present to attend? Um, and that's one of the biggest hurdles that we have, like, and, and one of the things that we, that I hope that this body can really address is by with this report and our consolidation of the comments and recommendations that came from these community sessions that we can give community members a tangible, tangible piece of product that they can like that they can then turn to and say like you know and we can present to council in a unified voice to share that this is what the community members want to see within uh, their city's policing policies and what city uh, they want city council members to act upon however it was openly acknowledged too by both uh, members of the public as well as those of us that were, able, uh, that were able to attend that we only have so much power and it really depends upon how many people really show up to demand it, uh, to demand these changes be made into the policy. And one of the things, uh, the hurdles that we ran into um, with this, uh, this year's community sessions was just the, the very short timeline. Um, this is, uh, these are conversations that should have been done as early as May. Um, which is ideally what we were hoping to like to really begin um, to have sessions, you know, uh, with enough like, at least a month or two in, uh, in advance to really be able to process the the full uh, community feedback and input uh, that includes from the um, the police or, uh, the police department's community survey, and be able to incorporate that into a much fuller report. We're not able to do that this year uh, because we're still building that process, and we and that actually leads to one of the recommendations that are in the report, which is creating a formalized process modeled after uh, the outreach uh, uh, the outreach engagement plan that we had approved back in May, um, so that we can actually begin this much sooner. And that is a formal process where the uh, this commission, the police department, and the city are working together uh, to make sure that these sessions are both 
happening in a wide range of the city, but like, you know, much more often, as well as like with enough lead time so that both this commission and the police department have enough time to incorporate that and city council to consider uh, as it uh, reviews the annual uh, military equipment use report and uh, the, like whether to update the policy or not. Um, so with that said, we did, like, there were a few recommendations we'd come in, which uh, I'm happy to do a screen share on just to show the initial report when you're ready. That we don't have the resources and that was actually something that was really brought up by many members that attended the first committee basically saying where was PD why is um, the city not using the resources that they have to ensure that this is information that is going out widely right and so that was one of the things that definitely a lesson learned we try to improve obviously outreach for the other two but I think moving forward that is going to be another recommendation to Commissioner Bliss's um, point if we start earlier and, and the public begins to expect this, then it's easier for us to get that feedback. So those are some of the things, again, we're kind of learning, we're trying to build on this process. The other thing that we learned from comments we had from last year when PD by themselves did the, the community outreach was they really did not want PD to show up in full uniform. That was very triggering for some members of the community. They also, one of the things that we did, just little things like setting up a room that was like in around the table, there were no tables in some, in some of the forums. It was just like chairs that were in a circle. Um, the city ended up helping provide the community centers where we actually did it and provided childcare. The other thing is um, refreshments were offered, right? Especially for some of the events that happen between five to eight. A lot of people coming and giving us of their time were gonna be coming from work. And so just little things like that made the environment a lot more welcoming. And so those are the things that we wanna continue to work on and build upon. If we end up creating a process that is formalized, these are some of the recommendations we urge the city to help us with and move forward. Um, one of the other suggestions, again, coming off of the first forum was that there should be a budget item for the, for the community forums. Again, to make sure that we have a place that people can gather, make sure there's refreshments, make sure that there's all of these other services that make it easier for community to participate. So those are some of the things that we did. And again, there was, there was definitely some frustration. All three forums, community members brought up the fact that we still have outstanding recommendations that they don't agree with how the city council has basically solicited that work from us and not done anything. So we're really hoping that through this process, we can actually show that our collaboration and partnership is giving results. I think that would be very damaging if that does not happen. Any comments, questions? Commissioner Guerrero and then Commissioner um, C. Wayne Johnson. Sure, well, it's, um, it's interesting to hear, you know, continually hear from the community that um, that is an ongoing frustration and I just want to acknowledge that it is a frustration that builds on each other right we have these hundreds of recommendations and um, and I think just knowing that there's so many recommendations that haven't been acted on um, that alone <laughs> it's been frustrating for me I can imagine <laughs> community members that have heard this right that haven't been as a, uh, in um, uh, that I've engaged in different ways. So I totally understand that. And I, I do want to share, and I know uh, Chair and Vice Chair are aware of this, the Commission knows, we do have a, um, 
a, an informal group that's working on the on, on those recommendations, those old recommendations, and combing through them and actually looking at um, uh, the responses from SACPD, at least for in regards to the 2018, and we're going to work through the others. But I have to tell you, it's almost like doing, I want to be honest, it's like doing three times the work. We did the work of making the recommendation. <laughs> and by the way, we didn't have the support, the infrastructure, the processes that we have now, and we were left to our own device to create those, and we did create those. And even now, there's tweaks that we're getting. It's, it really is uh, frustrating. But you know, we've made this progress. We have responses from SACPD in terms of 2018. We're combing through them. We're finding that, in likelihood, SACPD did implement some things. And it's what I've been saying for such a long time, if we would only you know, work together better, um, I think the community would very clearly see that SACPD is actually, and the community and our input is actually making some kind of difference. It may not be the difference that every single person wants, but there is progress. And so I just want to say that the quicker we can move on that process with SACPD, with the city, I think, the, um, I think it would build a lot of, of goodwill and understanding in the community that we're in fact are making a difference, that the voices of the community are in fact being heard. So that's what I will say, and I'm just interested. It's interesting to hear that, and, and I don't think it's going away. Um, in terms of, um, you know, just to highlight one of those frustrations, it, well, separate from recommendations, processes, and this is why I always say we need to write things down. Um, way back when, even in 2018, um, when we had um, uh, Francine here as a, a city staff, helping this commission. I know one of the things we, um, she regularly did is when we had an event or when we had a meeting, there was a listserv, a vast listserv that the city has that our information would go out to. And I don't know why or what happened. We no longer have access to that, um, uh, that resource. And at one point, you know, the commission itself created an ad hoc um, that looked at policy but also internal communications I looked at broader communications policy and then internal, and we started trying to put a list together. And I'll be honest, we didn't get very far because we were so, from my perspective, working so much on policy. And the lists are something that we're all volunteers. We really should, those lists already exist. <laughs> we should have administrative support that's very basic that you know has those lists together, uh, building on even just starting this year on all on the people that have come in, uh, the commissioners. We each have contacts. We can provide contacts. So simple things like that. The staff administrative support to create maintain this community listserv where when we have an event it can go out. You know, it's, I don't know how many years I've been on this commission and simple things like that are not put in place, never mind alone a website that has our documents. <laughs> so the infrastructure items and the ongoing um, recommendations, they build on frustrations, and I don't see how we're going to improve until some of those basics, basic issues are um, resolved. I do want to say that I, I heard um, uh, from one of the speakers ask if we would add as a recommendation um, to the 13, the um, kind of defining what authorization of the of the usage of these different um, um, items could be discharged versus deployed. And 
I'm, this is a great idea, and this is why it's really important to have these meetings and, and, and have these community meetings. That seems so simple and kind of like, yeah, of course we need it. And, it's not, and if it's not there, we should definitely add it. Uh, what, a, what a great recommendation, and I want to thank um, uh, uh, the speaker for bringing that up. Um, I also got an email, I think a couple of us did, and we didn't respond because of the Brown Act, but that, um, and I wanted to ask the commissioners that attended the event that um, we were promised certain information either for the meeting and we haven't gotten that information. Is, is that accurate? Does that ring a bell at all? I think we requested some information um, mm -hmm. earlier on. I don't think we received that from PD. I think specifically it was about um, past, in, past instances where these weapons were engaged and then information on, on those instances, right? Uh, oh. Demographics, I'm sure, circumstances, the weapons, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I got an email saying that there was some information <laughs> presented, but it was, a frac it was information on a fraction of the events that were actually, um, yes. uh, uh, the number of engagements that SACPD has said, we've engaged in these hundreds of cases, but we only had like, I don't know, 40, 50, whatever um, uh, uh, data for, for a small part. So I just wanted to ask if that is what's occurred, or, and if so, are, are we expecting to get the data at a future time? I think that's, that would be helpful. Commissioner Bliss. Yeah, just so to respond uh, to Commissioner Guerrero, uh, we did have a series of, we had a data request that we had uh, su uh, submitted uh, by the, uh, and requested responses to by the end of May, which we're still waiting for a lot of those responses. One of them did come up through the uh, community forums uh, in the summary report where uh, the department did provide some demographic uh, data reporting within that. It wasn't comparative uh, reporting, which uh, was one of the, uh, our recommend, uh, was also included in one of our recommendations and was included in the question uh, of that. And community, I remember a few community members at least uh, naming, you know, like they want to see more information. Um, but to that, you know, reportable use commentary that um, the, um, uh, one of the commenters and what was actually included in uh, some of the written feedback that we had gotten from those meetings was uh, the the lack of under uh, the underreporting uh, from that. You know, 86 incidents of the of 248,983 contacts that the police department had in the reporting period uh, that uh, over the course of a year, um, many members of the public uh, considered it quote outrageous underreporting. And we're actually asking if we could help to redefine this category so the public can review policing more effectively because the reportable ratio according, like by these numbers actually comes out to um, uh, all, like all contacts is about four to 10,000 ratio when it comes to um, you know, reportable uses of uh, military equipment. Um, and that's something too that's actually like, um, uh, was highlighted in the list of recommendations that our work group is currently working on um, to really be clear that we're not just looking for reportable uses or just the discharge of weapons. We're looking for the deployment because AB481's language is actually quite clear, uh, even from the like from the initial finding of the legislature, where the, the very deployment of military equipment has adverse impacts upon our communities, particularly black uh, and, and uh, black and Hispanic communities of color. So. That like so that's one of the recommendations that are included in there, and uh, we have a, additional ones that you know are, are of course are include everything from 
funding, uh, funding uh, our body so that we can provide these as well as consolidating uh, certain munitions as well um, uh, and uh, removing certain language that allows for uh, wide, uh, widely interpretable uses of, uh, of military equipment such as in crowd management or crowd control. Thank you. Agree in, in large part with, with what everyone else has said, but but clearly uh, for me one of one of the recurrent themes again was the need for for greater publicity, you know, further in advance, broader throughout the communities that are being served as we go forward. Trust clearly was was a big issue on on both sides, you know, of, of the issue, and one that we can work on. I I do want to give the police credit for the fact that they brought, they, they listened to us and, and they provided very responsive representatives, you know, at, at the uh, community forums. Uh, they were open, they, they weren't arrogant, you know, they, they uh, were informative with what information they had, you know, on it. One of the key things um, that was clear during the discussion is, is the, the use of the term military, yes. you know, on it. When you, when you say military, it conjures up, you know, uh, howitzers and tanks and, you know, and all the rest of that, you know, whereas the vast majority of what's included on, on, on the listing of what is military equipment is non-lethal uh, stuff. There's nothing in there in terms of a tank with a turret and, you know, cannons and, and that kind of stuff. And so it, it, was, it, was, it was educational for the community to kind of be able to parse between fact and emotion as we went forward, and that, that elicited some fulsome discussion uh, on it, which needs to continue and go a, a lot further and deeper than we were able to get into in those sessions. The other point that uh, community members made very, very clearly is where are our council members? You know, we had one council member, at least in the, in the last two sessions, I don't know who attended in the first because I wasn't there, we did have an attendant. Okay, council, so, yes, so council we've had woman, two. Yes, we have <laughs> council two. members, you know, out of the full body that attended, and and the uh, com community sentiment was very clear that the council representatives are the people they elected to represent them and their interests, and this is a key uh, issue for the community. So therefore, where are our representatives? You know, on so one of one of the forthcoming recommendations is that the uh, city council members either be directed or adopt a policy that says that they will uh, participate in these types of forums going forward, either to as a host of one or at a minimum, if we're, if we're going to stay at a structure of three meetings city for citywide, that they attend at least one of those three, you know, in there and help weigh in. You know, you it's hard to legislate over a group that you haven't conversed with, you know, on it and, and be truly been a partner in understanding both their concerns as well as where they're willing to compromise or not, you know, as we go, continue to go forward. Um, the other point, uh, at the last two points, one was to reduce the amount of technical jargon that goes into uh, these reports. You know, as, as lay people, 
uh, members of the community and as well as members of this commission. Don't, don't fully follow uh, or understand all of the jargon that gets used in, in these reports. And so it would be helpful to put it into plain speak to the extent possible uh, or at a very minimum, you know, provide some kind of a upfront glossary, you know, that we can refer to in terms of what, what, is, what is meant by the various acronyms that, that are used. And then lastly, uh, it was very, very clear that it was helpful that the police, the police provided what statistical analysis they did have, but it was also clear that it needed to go much further. This past year, from my understanding, has been the first year that, that the police have had non-uniform statistician on board, and they got one, you know, on it. There's clearly uh, is, is a need that if you're going to drive this kind of information down and be fully compliant with, uh, with uh, ABA 41, that you could, they're probably going to need more than one person to be able to, to fulsomely develop the kind of information that both the community is looking for, but also is compliant with, with, the, with the law as we continue to go forward. But as, as the chair said, I, I, I do want to say that I, I think from my short time on the commission, there has at least started to be some forward momentum you know, on it. There was clearly, as we did the planning for these, these meetings, that there was clear, much better communication going on between us and the, and the uh, PD about what was needed in terms of information, attitude, you know, dress, you know, you know the whole gambit, you know, on it. And that was extremely helpful uh, on it. And, and to the extent that we both, you know, uh, give credit when credit is due and criticism when it's earned. You know, on it, and you got to be able to do both sides of that. As as the commission members that were there know, I I continued to preach then, as as I have in other forums, balance. You know, on nobody on either side of this equation is 100% right, nor are they 100% wrong. You know, on it, but the more that we're able to dialogue, listen to each other, and participate together in a constructive manner, we start to build some bridges and we start to make some inroads. And that's what really uh, the community is looking for, and all of us as commissioners are members of this community, you know, and we're serving unpaid. So this, this, is, a, this is about dedication of the heart, you know, as we go forward. And so I just want to commend the, of the work of, of my fellow commissioners uh, in this, as well as um, be, express thanks uh, to PD for, for coming forward, you know, on it and starting to make those kinds of inroads with, that are necessary. And just to echo that, because it's uh, what a lot of the commission did not see and a lot of the public did not see is the number of meetings that we had with the city, city staff, PD, trying to figure out how to move forward together. And again, somebody I think said it, um, we were trying to build the plane as we were flying it. So of course we were not going to get it right. There were going to be things that we missed and we did, right? But I think those are some of the things we can learn all, from. And now the next community forum, my expectations for them are even greater. And PD did spend a lot more time. One of the things, for example, um, the city stepped up and helped hire a facilitator from Sac State to try to help. Now, we're kind of, again, thinking, did that work? Did not? We're kind of reassessing that information. But at the end of the day, I think there was a recognition that additional resources were needed, and the city did step up. Um, so thank you, Commissioner Johnson, for highlighting that, that point. 
I have Commissioner Bliss, Commissioner Carter Martinez, and Commissioner Buenrostro. Yes, appreciate those uh, additional comments. I wanted to uh, speak to what uh, you brought up, uh, Commissioner Wayne Johnson, around uh, the use of the term military equipment and wanted to point to a bill that's in the legislature uh, right now uh, called AB 1486 that is uh, uh, being was introduced with the intent of cleaning up AB 481 to further clarify both the community engagement process to occur before annual consideration of agency's policy, as well as um, to define the use of military equipment as both display, deploy, or discharge. Um, you know, there, there was definitely some confusion around the term of like military equipment um, uh, being used given that some of this technology, such as uh, particularly the drones, are available uh, through commercial means. However, a lot of the equipment is, like all of the equipment actually is derived from, like for, for military purpose, from, like that was the origin of which they were initially designed from. And even though some may be commercially, like commercially available, all of it is developed by private manufacturers. Everything that we have in the armed forces developed pri like privately in partnership with the military. But either way, this bill is supposed to clarify that. Um, uh, and make sure that the terms are there as well as the inclusion of, um, of additional devices and reporting on holding and use of assault weapons. Um, I also wanted to speak to um, what uh, in uh, the recommendations that we had from before, because obviously we're doing this not in a vacuum. There, we have like uh, 13 recommendations that we put before. One of the uh, callers earlier had asked about um, why we had only put forward five, and just to point out that that letter was actually, uh, those recommendations were just the, the five priority recommendations that we uh, had uh, sent to city council before the policy was approved last September 2022. And all of those, uh, everything that was in that letter is included within the 13 list of policies. And one of the things I got from that um, was, you know, a lot of community members want to see those policies enacted or, you know, potentially like improved upon to really like be clear about it. One being um, in particular, the need for independent oversight. That was a recurring theme uh, within the conversation. And one of the things that community members um, uh, heard from the department was that the city council is considered the independent oversight body that AB 481's language uh, is, is supposedly entailing to, but that's like by both this commission's interpretation as well as cert, like as well as members of the public that was not acceptable they're actually the governing body that's required for like approving that so it wouldn't make sense for the person that's like the the body that is responsible for both funding and approving the policy to also be like to serve as its independent oversight so that's why one of our recommendations still it remains to be um, designating independent oversight to a uh, department or, or entity outside of the police department, such as the Office of Public Safety Accountability or this commission. Um, so those are just a, a few of those in there. Um, but one of the things, too, one of the recurring things I got from it as well was just the need for more transparency and data. As Commissioner Guerrero had named uh, earlier, you know, like, if the department just showed that it was, do like, implementing some of these features, like it could go a long way to help the, helping disprove that like that level of trust, and that's basically what uh, the commission, from my understanding, has been asking for for many years: is just show your work, and showing the information like and how it's used, um, and, like including within this policy, like you know, uh, to break down um, 
the, the use of equipment by a specific type, you know, providing a map and description of where critical incidents took place, where this equipment was used, and specify who it was used against and what context uh, the equipment used can go a long way. Because one of the confusing things that came up uh, for certain members of the public that I talked with, as well as for myself, was how there were only 86 uh, incidents, uh, critical incidents in the last year, uh, 26 of which involved military equipment use deployment, but there were over 200 uh, deployments of the armored vehicles, whether that's the bear, like, you know, one of the type of the Bearcats or just the Rook, which they did name was deployed once last year, doesn't actually speak to why was it deployed? What was the context in which it was deployed? Just having a number deployed could be a number of things. Or was it for the community, in, like, was it for a community engagement event, like when the PD goes to a school with the, uh, with the SWAT vehicle and lets the kids climb in it? Or was it used, uh, you know, in relation to, like, a shooting incident or of some sort, another critical incident? Those are the kinds of, of data and, and transparency that people are looking for. And if the department just showed it, I think it could go a long way to actually, like, a, you know, bridging some of these gaps within, like, within the community trust. Yes, um, I just wanted to say one of the sentiments I really felt from the meeting was that the public um, thinks PD will never change or be held accountable for things that they're doing wrong. And they don't trust the police and a lot of people mentioned feeling a lot of harm from them, from interactions that they had with them, either in their neighborhoods, at their homes, or in protests, particularly in the summer of 2020. Um, another sentiment I heard was that the public appreciates that we are an independent body, but that they don't trust that we have the teeth to bridge the gap um, with the department to help make change or to put in place some things that will help create a sense of accountability for the public. And so from the meeting I went to and the, the comments I heard in the meeting and the conversations I had with people afterwards that came up to talk to me, those were kind of the two sentiments I felt. And um, I don't disagree. Um, I feel sometimes sitting in these meetings, you know, I'm new, but like month after month after month, we try to get information and data and responses and uh it really, it, it doesn't happen and there's either excuses or there's no communication at all whatsoever and that feels like how is there going to be change or accountability if we can't even have a consistent conversation with this department. Um, yes, they did interact with us in a small committee to put these meetings together, but that, you know, it was really logistics. It wasn't like deep, meaningful conversations about how do we make policing in Sacramento a less harmful thing to some of the communities that are being harmed by it. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to share that that's what I walked away with, and uh, I generally agree with those sentiments. Thank you. Commissioner Buenrostro. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to show, well, um, express my appreciation for all the commissioners that were able to attend one or two or one or more of the meetings uh, during the process and, and for relaying a lot of the findings and information and sentiment from the public at this meeting. Um, I wasn't planning to say much because I couldn't attend any of the meetings, but uh, 
one thing that struck me from reviewing the staff report and, and also the, the, the MEU report um, is the need for us to take a step back and really think about what we mean by community engagement. And the word that I'm looking for here is two-way engagement, where a lot of the language that I saw in the report was around these meetings informing the public, raising awareness. Um, so it was a lot about the public learning more about the police department and their MEU policy. I didn't see a lot of language there about the police department and the city learning from the public and what it took away from the listening sessions. Um, and just to give you an example of, of how I feel this is expressed in this meeting, right now we have commissioners expressing what we learned from those meetings. It would be great to have a representative from, from the police department up here summarizing what they learned from these meetings. Um, because that's a different way of internalizing the information. And I, again, I'm, I come from the education world. School districts have to do local control and accountability plans. I, I, I'm, I'm immersed in them a lot, so it's a lot of times I criticize them. I don't think they're perfect. But one thing that I noticed from those plans is that there's requirements for districts to hold listening sessions with different stakeholders and respond in writing to feedback that they received. It doesn't mean that they have to accept everything that the public says, but they have to at least summarize some of the main findings and say, hey, we were able to, for, for example, if the police department hears uh, feedback from the public and they're able to make a change in recommendation, that would help the public see that they informed the police department, they were able to make a recommendation. Or even if they're not, it would help the public see how what they said was actually heard and it was, it was documented by the police department. So again, I just wanna take a step back. I think we gotta take a look at the direction that the city council gave to the police review commission because I did not see a lot of language in that direction about the need for there to be that report out that tells the public that the police department learned something from the, from the meetings. And again, I don't wanna minimize the efforts of, this, of these meetings because I think from everything I hear, there was a lot of effort by the police department. There was effort from commissioners to make them as good as they can. But there just seems to be something missing there where we need to have, the, the, I guess the word I'm looking for is two-way engagement, right? It's not just engagement from the city or the police department engaging the public and informing the public, but it's also making sure that there's that spirit that the public is going to also inform the city and the police department. Commissioner Carter Martinez. Um, yes, I just wanted to let folks know I have to leave at seven tonight, so I'm not walking out in a huffer puff or anything. <laughs> I had a pre-schedule, had to leave, so thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Guerrero. Um, I really appreciated Commissioner Buendrostro's um, comment, and I almost put my hand back down, but, um, and I feel like a broken record, but where is the SAC PD representative today? And if they were here, we could make that request that they, it, whether they were doing it already, which if they were, great, right? We can give kudos, because I love giving kudos when folks uh, do that, uh, take initiative or, you know. For me, um, what um, Commissioner Buendrostro um, said to me, I hate that we have to outline every single step, 
That's what we're doing naturally, right? You all are coming back and saying, this is what the community said, this is what we heard, this was, you're summar we are summarizing, those of you that went, and yes, thank you for those of you that went. You're summarizing, you're educating the rest of the commission so we could have a lively conversation and it's prompting really great discussion. So, you know, I go, we go back to the basics. We're, I just continue to struggle year after year sitting on this commission and I am a broken record and I'm gonna be a broken record till I'm here and I'm, you know, my time is over because we need basics. We need a SAC PD representative here that can answer questions. We need a SAC PD representative here that can take requests, information requests, come back and give us meaningful information and engagement. Um, and it's a letdown every time we have a substantive conversations and we don't have the basics. Um, so I, I, and I also wanna say I hear Commissioner Wayne Johnson, I hear you and I wanna give kudos and that's why I want to work on those recommendations from 2018, 2019 and say, hey, SAC PD actually implemented these things. But I keep saying, I feel like SAC PD is, well, I don't feel, they're not as, um, they're not the partner that, that I would wish them to be. And I feel like if they were, they would actually see the benefits and the improved relationship because they do do things, they do listen. But when you don't have the basics, when they can't be here to answer questions, that just throws you know, all that work out the window. So um, I really hope, once again, that we will have SAC PD representative here at the next meeting. I hope we clarify that somehow we did send a letter to the. <laughs> to the city council asking for that clarification. Um, I don't know that we've heard back. Have we heard back? I, I don't know if this is a question for the clerk or the chair or. No, we have not heard back. So anyway, that, those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Sample, and I apologize. We're having some IT issues, and so your name was not showing up. But I'm the nameless man. <laughs> this is going to be fixed. <laughs> no problem. Well, thank you. I, I first just kind of want to um, say that I only attended one of the sessions, but it was so informational, um, a lot of really good, and I have to um, kind of give a shout out to the chair and vice chair for your ability to pivot, uh, especially at the Hagenwood Center, uh, when uh, we, we saw that maybe the facility wasn't quite working the way in which it was envisioned, yet the community still had a desire to be heard. So I do appreciate that, and I think it helped the conversation be rich. Um, I won't go through everything that's already been said, but I have to highlight that the frustration is there. Uh, the frustration is there in terms of um, we're, you know, the community is saying, we're saying these things, we're sharing this information. What next? What's gonna happen? Uh, I would love to have someone from the police department here tonight to just say, hey, you know, one of the things that I heard kind of was our community saying, you know, we don't get information about this. We don't know what's happening when, you know, these are deployed. And is there a community notification? Actually, I believe there is. But we don't have anyone to have that conversation, to be able to do our role and also support uh, them in their role. One of the other things that I did hear a lot around uh, from a few of the people at Hagenwood was just, you know, what's on the list? Is this all the items or is it just purchased items? Uh, there was discussions around 
their true cost. Is the cost really what we see, or are we including training? Are we including the maintenance? So there was just so much. And then I just kind of looked a little bit at the report. I know report one was four months, but report two is a full year. There's just a lot of things that I feel we're missing by not having someone to be able to help us bridge that gap and do our jobs. But I really appreciate our community for stepping up and bringing their their heart, their voice. And I agree with uh, Commissioner Johnson. They, you know, the community wasn't just beating up on the police. It was, we want to see how we can work together. And I think if we get to that place, um, and that starts by them sending someone to this and meeting. Thank you so much, Commissioner Sample. Um, I believe that um, the deputy, I'm sorry, that um, Mario Lara is actually on, on, and he is not here today because he has COVID, but he actually is participating, so I'd like to actually turn it over to him. I, um, and I understand that Lieutenant Shiriashi was intended to be here, but he had a death in the family. So um, can we just have uh, the deputy city manager speak? Thank you, Chair Castillo-Krings. Um, you're correct. Um, the reason I'm not in person is because I tested positive and I'm still within the five days quarantine period. Um, and yes, Jeff Shira Ishii would have been at this meeting. Unfortunately, he had a death in the family that he is uh, attending to. Um, I will say this, that I do appreciate uh, every, every comment that has been made. And the community input sessions, I think, were more robust than they have ever been at least uh, in my experience, uh, you know, in, in this role. And I think we did do a lot of positive work together. I understand that there's still a lot of room for improvement. I know that the police department was at each and every one of those meetings taking copious notes. I think a couple of the meetings were recorded. And um, I will pass that feedback regarding when they take the presentation. So the next steps after this is for to take the presentation to the Law and Ledge Committee and then ultimately on to council. Um, I know that they um, they have indicated that I believe nine of the 14 recommendations that were made uh, by the commission in the past have been addressed. And I will ask them to perhaps be a little bit more explicit uh, regarding that in their reporting or at least in their oral reporting when they take that forward uh, so that that is addressed. Um, I, 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 again, um, we are learning as we go along, and I think I appreciate some of the comments that have been made about um, some of the progress that has been made. Um, the report, the ME, th this is an annual exercise that we're going to have to go through, and we're going to continue to improve as we go along. The city did um, expend some resources to get a facilitator, and um, I, you know, I haven't heard, um, you know, any, any, um, you know, I, I'm willing to continue to work with the commission to figure out if that is the way that we want to go in the future. I know, um, Chair, you did a fantastic job the first meeting when we when you had to facilitate that yourself. So either which way the commission is willing to go, I'll work with you in order to make sure that we continue to improve upon the process. Um, let's see, uh, some, some other things. So, so bottom line, bottom line, the feedback that I'm taking from this meeting, because I'm taking notes here as well, and what I'll take back to the, to the department is perhaps being a little bit more explicit in some of the recommendations that have already been implemented, and to make sure that that is highlighted when we take this this report to the, to the, uh, to the, um, to the council. And obviously, the item here tonight on the agenda is for the commission itself to come up with its recommendation that it wants to move 
forward to the council and um, the council will obviously have the opportunity to deliberate on those as well. So thank you. Thank you. And I have um, Commissioner Bliss, but before we go, and then we have Commissioner Guerrero, before we end this item though, one of the things we wanna do is kind of highlight some of the um, things we're gonna cover in the report, walk through some of the recommendations, because that is gonna be one of the motion is to approve our, the subgroup to move forward, finalize the report so we can actually go to city council. But before that, we have Commissioner Bliss and Commissioner Guerrero. Yes, uh, sorry. Yes, I wanted to speak to what a couple of commissioners had raised, uh, and I think um, uh, Assistant City Manager Lara had alluded to was um, implementing some of the, uh, the uh, some of our recommendations when it comes to at least the limits on um, uh, like on their use of military equipment. Um, under the current uh, military equipment use report uh, that was uh, sent to uh, City Council and is uh, due to be discussed actually tomorrow at 11 a.m. Um, at the Law and Legislation Committee, um, I wanted to just showcase that um, what one of the callers, uh, uh, one of the first callers of the night had asked about was like, you know, where they show, like what does the red and green mean here um, in the annual use report that's in our staff report. Uh, the red actually highlights where uh, the speci uh, specific type of equipment, um, in this case, uh, chemical agents, um, is, is not authorized for use. Um, and then the green indicates when, where it is authorized for use. So in, in the policy itself, it, uh, it references the other general orders and uh, reference manuals that govern the use of each type of equipment. Um, and then the department went and it, I did, did an additional step to basically in the report um, include those policies as written um, and highlighted where it governs uh, specifically the, where, uh, the authorized usage, where it can be used and where it cannot be used. Um, that's a good step in the right direction. Um, I mean, like from my initial analysis, I would say that we, it actually, like what community members were asking for and what I was um, uh, what I was hoping to see was that actually included within the specific policy itself to be very clear, military equipment as a whole shouldn't be used within these specific instances, given that most members of the public do not have time to look through what this is over like 200 pages worth of documentation to see where the department uh, can and cannot use this equipment. Um, so, you know, step in the right direction. But that I just wanted to explain um, that initially as well. And then um, I wanted to also, sh next I'm assuming that we wanna show um, the, uh, the draft recommendations that we have going so Yes, forth. but I still have Commissioner Guerrero. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was gonna ask us. Twenty eighteen, it was uh, um, implementation. This was the SACPD response to those, and I found it uh, very helpful. And here's kudos, right? <laughs> we have a step in the right direction. We we got from you, I believe, this matrix of twenty eighteen recommendations and a response from SACPD in terms of what they did, um, and and that was good. So I'm hoping that for these recommendations will follow that pattern and that we'll see that, for example, when there's a policy recommendation change and if you make the change, then, then you show the link to that policy. If it fits a, um, uh, 
reporting issue that you say we have, for example, if you're doing it, then you say we've done it and here's a link to the report. That kind of, uh, of um, not just telling us that you've done it, but showing us that you've done it is extremely important and so helpful. And if, that, I mean, yes, I just wanna, uh, hopefully that's the kind of um, report that we um, will get back. And I, I also wanna take the opportunity to say that as we're reviewing 2018 recommendations, I see a lot of that. There's still some places where information's missing and we're gonna come back to you. I think you know we're, we'll have a follow-up conversation, but hopefully that pattern continues with these next recommendations. That was my comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Commissioner Bliss, if you wouldn't mind sharing your screen so we can go through the recos. Sure thing, Chair. Uh, so what you see here is currently in draft format that our work group uh, is currently working to finalize and we're hoping to have ready to share with City Council um, within, the next, uh, within the next coming weeks uh, and for them to consider before they um, decide whether or not to continue this policy. Um, one of the things that came up was, um, be, like, which was raised by several callers and, and members, uh, you know, at these community sessions, was to um, add specific sessions that specify uh, where the equipment uh, is prohibited from use, deployment, or discharge, and really being specific in author, like, uh, language specifying authorized usage, um, and list actual and inclusive. Um, allowed uses of military equipment under the appropriate categories. Um, we also, uh, based on what we uh, heard and, uh, you know, like have built upon is, you know, requiring the, uh, the police department to produce in its annual MEU reports less legal jargon to allow it to be more accessible to members of the public and city council. Um, and, you know, using the, like the clearly uh, no, like widely known synonyms so that people can easily access this. We also are asking for more information, uh, particularly like, you know, providing all measurable data using comparative and demographic reporting. The department does provide some demographic reporting, but it doesn't really compare, like it doesn't provide the comparative reporting that allows us to see what is the difference like from year to year as it goes, which we're hoping that will continue at now that this policy is established and the, and the process is, is uh, slowly being built out. But one of the things that we want to be specific about uh, within this was being very clear, you know, around listing the total number of critical incidents where it was deployed in a table, like, it, like you know, in the similar format that it was like, including the number of officers and civilians involved in these incidences. Um, the total annual cost of military, of this current inventory, uh, that includes the cost of personnel time, training, transportation, maintenance, storage, upgrades, and other ongoing costs in its calculations. Which, oops, sorry. <laughs> um, which also includes the, like, which is actually one of the recommendations that uh, we had listed from uh, the, the original 13 that we approved earlier this year. And uh, one of the things that is specified Oops. <laughs> no worries. A couple of IT issues. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, that that was what like you know lifting up one of the recommendations. A lot of the like some of these um, these community based recommendations were building upon what we had already put out uh, from earlier this year. Another being, you know, the projected uh, amount and cost for all military equipment that may be requested compared with the previous year, including those same additional cost calculations that is required under AB 481 and has been uh, recommended by this body. 
Um, also, the fiscal impact of this cost upon the overall police budget using total dollar amounts and percentages and list of dates and locations for all community outreach and engagement events involving military equipment use or demonstrations, including the total cost of these events. So then up, the other recommendation uh, that we're currently working on is establishing a formalized process for soliciting community input and incorporating that feedback well before um, the city council considers updating, like, you know, like, is considering the annual use report and updating the policy. Um, and including that, that process in writing within General Order 410.06 itself, along with the clear timelines for when PD opens the community survey to start soliciting feedback, uh, when our commission would host uh, the community input forums, which uh, we recommend, you know, no less than three to begin with, if not more. Um, as well as, you know, making sure that this all happens before the annual report goes to city council. Um, and then, you know, the process, obviously, like adopting our community outreach plan that we had drafted, like, you know, that we had approved earlier this year and promoting all the community surveys and input uh, through the coordinated outreach campaigns, utilizing all the city's resources, the city's website, the mailing list, the social media accounts, several of which we did not have access to. We did not have like a, a formal list until the city uh, public information office stepped in to help us with that information. Um, another recommendation requiring uh, uh, Sac Sacramento Police Department to track and report the total number of deployments of military equipment uh, within the city's jurisdiction separately from the total number of reportable uses of force or discharges of military weapons as is, was raised by several callers. Um, all the procedures, like, you know, also including all the procedures for documenting the deployment of military equipment uh, being clearly defined and any transparency standards requiring reporting on any deployments visible to the community. Um, so building upon, you know, like really bringing context to the numbers that were shared within that summary report. Uh, so we understand where, why, and how this equipment was used in, uh, in Sacramento City. Requiring the department to publish a disciplinary matrix for all violations under its MEU policy and to publicly report the total number of violations and the disciplinary actions issued in response to policy violations. This was something that we had requested not just last year, but also in previous years where we want a written disciplinary matrix to show how officers are progressively disciplined for, like, for policy violations so members of the public know what, like, what they can expect in terms of accountability. Um, that was something that, again, was a recurring theme, was the lack of accountability the department seems to have, not just to this body, but also to uh, its, like, its own policies and not being able to see like, tangibly what results when, uh, members, like, when members of the department uh, violate uses of military equipment based upon this policy. And that's actually something that's included specifically within AB 481 is to, to uh, provide and show in the written policy legally enforceable sanctions in place for policy violations. Another one, uh, prohibiting the department from deploying military equipment for use in crowd management and crowd control. That's something that has been like, you know, it builds upon uh, recommendation number six from last year, which was, you know, establishing clear limits. But it was something that uh, I heard during the uh, community conversations around, you know, how vague and, and broad that language is to allow essentially the department to deploy military equipment for any crowd of four people or more. Um, and anybody, like, with even one person displaying uh, mildly aggressive behavior uh, essentially can allow to authorize that. Um, it's been very clear, uh, you know, 
like from the legislature's intention that is meant to limit and, and provide accountability for when, when and how military equipment is deployed. And uh, one of the recommendations that I'm supporting right now is like for the removal of all language of crowd control, which builds on that previous recommendation. Um, another was to uh, consolidate all military munitions, grenades, or canisters that deploy any type of chemical agent listed under um, AB48 into the, uh, the same category, which is the chemical agents and smoke canisters, uh, and as well as providing language uh, containing information that clearly defines each type of chemical agents that's available within the department, from the pepper spray to the tear gas, as well as smoke canisters that may have certain types of those chemical agents uh, mixed in with them as well as any health or environmental hazards, uh, which is something that um, came up, like, you know, that came up at least a couple of times, but is also part of the recommendations that, uh, like, that I will prepare to, like, offer with, like, based upon these conversations, as well as what I'm learning more about this policy um, and, and the issue itself. Um, the other was, uh, you know, directing city council, like, coordinating with city council directly with our commission and the PD to organize community input forums within their respective districts recurring theme of council members not being present to hear uh, community members' feedback and input into this policy was a great concern. So ideally, what we would, like what we and, and the chair initially wanted was to um, have council members actually work with us to schedule at least one of these community input sessions within their respective districts. Um, even, if that's, uh, even if that's not within their capacity to do, uh, which I think it absolutely is, uh, especially with the town hall forums that they like to do on other occasions, um, at least attending one of the input sessions um, in a listening capacity, obviously within the, Browns, uh, within the bounds of the, of the Brown Act, which I know limits uh, what council members can ultimately talk about or, or discuss within the same, uh, same setting outside of public meetings. And then finally, approving uh, annual funding for the commission to continue engaging community directly and more often throughout the year. These are just a few of the draft, like draft recommendations that were coming up. Um, I want to point out to some of the new commissioners too that you, like, we can obviously build upon this based on what we've heard from the community sessions as well as what we've learned um, both from our own research of the policy and uh, comparable jurisdictions. Um, and to that end, I actually have a few that uh, uh, I'm looking to add and build upon, um, uh, which includes you know, updating the timeline um, uh, and being very specific about when the uh, policy is due to be approved and when the military, annual military equipment use report um, ultimately comes out. But that's something that our working group is planning to meet upon later this week um, and can I can work on finalizing before we send to council. Thank you. And then Commissioner Guerrero, is your hand up? You know, interestingly enough, <laughs> I forgot, but I was going to raise my hand. I would just find it so interesting um, that a number of the recommendations, the particular ones that I would think that I consider pretty big, are repeats. And I'm sure there's enhancements, right? You mentioned the, um, the discipline matrix. That was so much work on that ad hoc. And we actually gave, like, uh, we researched a bunch of different um, uh, uh, jurisdictions, and we actually recommended a model <laughs> um, uh, matrix, and you know, so I, I'm I'm glad to see that that is um, that that is uh, something that's being put forward as part of this. Uh, we're bringing it in right because they all build on top of each other. So I just wanted to say that's one, but there were a few that um, 
would be repeats of previous recommendations. So thank you for that, um, that summary and thank you for that work. And so I, I really want to highlight um, one thing because I think for me this process has actually been very educational going back to the use of military equipment. And as we're writing the report and trying to kind of provide context and history, the reality is the U.S. government started to actually allow a lot of the surplus material and other type of weapons that normally were found in battlefields back in the 1960s. I think what the vice chair is alluding to is after 9-11, when some of the grants were made available from the, you know, from Homeland Department to basically ensure that we were fighting terrorism, and it was really um, a war on terror, that availability of federal funding that was available for state and local law enforcement really kind of gave birth to a lot of companies that started producing this equipment. But the question I think that and this is really, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because it really highlights the tension that I saw in a lot of the community forums where from police department, they're saying, look, this is equipment that I can buy from a company. It's not coming from military you know, surplus equipment. But I think what it really highlighted, and this is I think the conversation that AB 481 was hoping to elicit was, how is, this, how is this equipment being used? Whether we actually talk about it as to it actually was a purchase by a Department of Defense. The question is, what kind of equipment is our local law enforcement actually having access to? How often are they using it? And at the end of the day, how does this equipment and access to the equipment change policing attitudes within a department? Does that elicit a kind of a communication with community? And so I think for me, it's important that we don't get hung up on the uh, on just military equipment, but really kind of look behind the intent of the legislation and what it was intending to actually have a conversation with community and the elected representatives about, which is what kind of equipment is out there? Is it, should we have it? And really that at the end of the day, I think is what the community, I heard, again, going back to the, the gentleman that spoke and said, I would be fine with you buying this equipment as long as I understand how it's used. If there is trust and it's a two-way street, then I think that there's, it, it really changes kind of the perception of police. It's not that the community was saying, and, and it wasn't like everybody was saying, some people were saying, don't have this equipment, period. Some of them were saying, make sure that if it's going to be used, you're safeguarding my public safety and my civil rights. If you can demonstrate you're doing that, then it's a different conversation. So to me, that's really, I think, what 481 is intending to do, and we're hoping to elevate some of that through the report. The other thing is just, again, going back to trust. The legislation actually talks about ensuring there's a mechanism to ensure compliance with the military equipment use policy, including independent persons, because it's tied back to enforcement, right? You, if, if you need to have an independent body to ensure that the actual policy is being implemented, that our police department is in full compliance. I think that what we heard from community members is you can't have the police department write the policy and also self-certify that they're in compliance. This goes back to making sure there's a balance and making sure there's trust. So the question is, what other bodies are out there? I think OPSA is one of the, one of the other independent bodies that actually oversees police department that can provide recommendations to council. Anyway, so these are just some of the conversations that I think are really important to have. Um, and we are kind of working on ensuring that there's going to be a process that creates more transparency. And to me, 
whether this process works or not will come down to the decisions that are down, done by uh -huh. our elected officials. It's the city council who actually has the power to say and set policy. So I think that is gonna show and demonstrate to the community what this all that kind of boils down to. So, Commissioner Bliss. Thank you, Chair. And that kind of speaks to um, one of the additional recommendations that um, I would like to talk for the equipment that they're using. One of the rec recommendations that we put out last year was to provide written justifications uh, for why this equipment is necessary, uh, essentially, like, you know, to maintain within its inventory, which under AB 481, that one of the four minimum requirements that the department is required to meet is um, showing that uh, is, you know, the law enforcement agency like possessing and using it because it is necessary because there is no reasonable alternative that can achieve the same objective of both officer and civilian safety. And that's not one or the other, it's the legislature intended it to be both. Um, and one of the things that was shared with me um, today, which I'll share with uh, the rest of uh, the work group, is um, a, a legal memo that actually makes the case for challenging uh, the legality of some of the, like, of the policies uh, based upon a. Uh, uh, the sheriff's department, uh, the Marin County Sheriff's Office, um, uh, uh, which is, uh, you know, one of the, like, basically a legal memo that came from Marin County um, and is publicly available that, you know, makes that challenge and actually provides uh, clear uh, factual requisites uh, to, like, to determine the essential necessity for some of this equipment. Um, and I think that's really important for us, to, like, for the department and all law enforcement agencies to make clear. They're the ones saying that things like the Rook are necessary and there are no reasonable alternatives that could be taken place. But based upon the conversation from earlier this year and what we heard from members of the public and, and the department itself, actually there are several reasonable alternatives, but because we're not defining what is a reasonable alternative or what makes these things a necessity, it's simply just kind of like open to a like large interpretation and that always falls upon like uh, in favor of the department to maintain and keep this equipment. I think like one of the one of the things that we really need to be clear about is what like what do we as Sacramento community define as necessary uh, for maintaining both officer and civilian safety. I, like you know, speaking for myself, a rook doesn't actually provide me any safety, given that it may provide safety for officers that may be taking fire, but bullets traveling at hundreds of feet per second uh, ricochet. They don't just stop or be absorbed in that armor and can easily hit me or somebody in the house like two, like two stories over or whatnot, um, if, like, you know, if the case. So those are the things that we really need to be clear about in defining. It may not, be ha it may not happen within this current cycle, but we do have more than enough uh, time, like, you know, between now and the end of this year and into next year's cycle to really be answering this question. Great, seeing no other comment, thank you everybody for a very robust conversation. Um, do I have a motion? So and thank you, Commissioner Guerrero, do I have a second? Uh, point, uh, point of order, just a question around the process. What are we motioning to, to approving? Yes, so the motion is approving the outline and authorizing the chair and vice chair to formalize the outline in the format that complies with council rules chapter 17 C4 and requesting city staff to forward the report to city council for consideration at its September 5th meeting. Seconded. Thank you. Um, clerk, please call the roll. 
Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Sample? Uh, aye. Commissioner Z. Johnson? Aye. Uh, Commissioner J. Johnson is absent. Commissioner Bliss? Yes. Commissioner Carter-Martinez is absent. Commissioner Buenrostro? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Commissioner Guerrero? Aye. Commissioner Marion is absent. Commissioner Salazar? Yes. And Chair Castillo Krings? Yes. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you, Commissioners. Moving on to our next item, we have the, um, my favorite, the follow up log. Okay. Do I have any members of the public wishing to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised uh, from the public online. Any commissioners wishing to speak on this item? All right. Can I just actually have a clarification on an item on, on the log? One of, the other th one of the things that we actually have on the item on the log is item 13 and 15 which are duplicative. And one of the things that I did not see on here was, as we were reviewing the 2018 um, recommendations, there was actually a lot of recommendations on diversity in hiring. So one of the reason I wanna bring this back up is, can we get an update onto a memo, the memo that I think legal was gonna draft to kind of clarify the authority that the commission has to review hiring practices? And I know that um, I don't think the memo was actually uh, memorialized here to uh, Commissioner Guerrero's point, it has to be in writing. So just wanted to get an update on that. That's actually why I requested to speak. So, <clears throat> so I have both items that I can address from the CAO um, regarding the city manager's hiring process. So. As I drafted the memo, it became clear that it wasn't enough to even form in a writing. Essentially, the commission does have the authority to um, speak to the prospective chief, the skills, the uh, qualities, the experience that a chief should have. But the actual process, say, five interviewers and a community input, the actual process of how it's done, that sits in the wheelhouse of the city manager's office. And the council doesn't have authority over that process, so then you all don't have authority over the process. But you can opine or give recommendations to council about what, what things are needed to have a chief. So just a point of clarification. So when like when the city code says, you know, we have purview over the hiring practice of the department, the exception lies with the chief of police, which is currently under the city manager's purview of like that process, that hiring process. But we can yeah, inform so how like how the city council may direct the city manager on that. Right. So the city manager does the hiring, right, for the chief. The police department hires its own officers. So that's the distinction. 
But just to kind of clarify, but the city council could direct the city manager to do X, Y, and Z in the hiring process. Uh, no, no. Under the charter, the city council cannot. The city council can give advice, can give recommendations, but no, the city council cannot direct the city manager on, uh, and that's under the charter. Yeah. They can't force it. That's Fun a city, fact. I mean, yeah. it, uh, essentially, the city manager is like the CEO of City of Sacramento Incorporated, and the city council is the board of directors. They can provide direction, but they can't tell them exactly how to do how to administrate business. But city council does have authority and power to change city code to like close that loophole if that like if it's so desired. Is that correct? That the charter is not city code. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, so they would the actually it would require a charter amendment. Yes. To uh, change the authority of the city manager um, in that hiring pr right. practice, particularly. Right. Good information to know. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for for getting back to us on that. No problem. Can I address the second memo that was requested? Please. Oh. Oh. Oh, Commissioner Carter. <laughs> Um, technical difficulties. So for clarification, yeah. the mission as a body, we can make recommendations regarding hiring, but when it comes to actual hiring, we don't have any say so whether we could be part of a panel or anything like that. We just make the recommendations as far as the skills or what we want in a certain person being hired, and then that's the extent. For the Is that chief, what I'm hearing? For the chief's position, yes. And, okay, and for any other hiring issue, does that same rationale apply, or does it differ? The if, hiring by the police department? Right. No, that rationale does not apply, because the police department is actually doing the hiring, as opposed okay. to the city manager's office. So to recap, so if we have uh, for managerial positions, the chief, deputy chief, well, Okay, would the deputy chief fall inside the SAC PD, or is that something that the city manager would? So I'm not, I don't know how the deputy chiefs are hired, but if the chief is hiring the deputy chiefs or selecting, that's within the police department. Okay, but as for the chief of police itself, we just make the little recommendations, and that's it. We don't have a right to be on a community panel or anything like that. We can just give input. We can just write a little letter saying, these are the qualities that we would like to see in the next chief of police, and that's it. Uh, yeah, your regular recommendation process, yes, yes. Qualities, experience, um, community experience, uh, the general um, role of a, pol uh, of a uh, chief of police that you think are, uh, should happen for Sacramento PD. Okay, now separate from that, mm -hmm. given that's the foundation, as city attorney making, answering our questions, how will we go about to change that so as an oversight body, we would at least have a seat if there's going to be a community panel or something like that, which has occurred in the past because I've sat on a panel. Um, if you're going to have a panel, how can we get it so that at least some member of the oversight commission should be uh, have a right to sit there and participate. Because right now it makes no sense to have an oversight for police issues, and then when you're going to hire the most important person 
in the police department, the oversight commission, we have no say so whatsoever other on paper saying we want to see this quality when we want them to have this community background, but we can't sit there and listen to them and actually participate in the hiring interview process. So, so because uh, the council's ability to, I guess, engage or mandate um, things that the city manager has to do is grounded in the charter, the charter would have to change. And I believe that that takes a vote of the city to change the charter. Okay, let me ask you this. So then right now, the city manager, he could have a community panel. Is that correct? Yes, if he wished, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so, so you're saying that it's up to him whether he want to invite a member of this commission to be on that panel. Correct. Okay. Okay, I have Commissioner Bliss and then Commissioner Wayne Johnson. Well, I had a, also a law question, but to this point in, like, in particular, because I'm fascinated by this conversation, is there anything legally binding uh, the city manager's office from providing a presentation on how it conducts its process for hiring the police chief under city code or, or charter? Okay. Are you, so are the you question I would, like, to rephrase the question, if the city manager thought it was important and wanted uh, the, uh, the police review commission to understand the process for selecting the police chief, could it choose to present to this body if it wanted, if he wanted to? Um, so that's a tough one because it's not within your purview. The process is not within your purview. But it is related to our purview Pur in that. You're only supposed to review things that's within your purview. Even if the, the city manager wanted to, technically, if it's not within your purview, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't at all. You just well, can't. Not that you shouldn't know, <laughs> but you shouldn't. You shouldn't be reviewing it at your meeting because your your scope is limited. Right, but it's not very clear with it. Obviously, within city code, when it says you know we're part of police hiring practices, and the police and the chief of police obviously is within, like is it the head of the police department? So. On paper, it would appear as though we're like, it, that would obviously fall under our purview and we would want to be able to understand that process just like we would want to understand it for managerial and rank and file police officers. But based on the legal interpretation by the city, that's not under our purview, which now we know, but still isn't clear on paper. And I'm certain that members of the public uh, wouldn't appreciate like that, that legal interpretation any more than some of us on this body do. So I'm, that's why I asked the question is like, if we wanted to understand that so that we could understand it in the context and relation of the rest of the department's hiring process, could the city manager legally choose to do so if he wanted to? Again, there, you, he, can, he can decide what he wants to. It's your, your purview is limited. That's the, that's the issue. It's not really the city manager's desire, um, just like the city council if they desire to review um, uh, Nevada's process for something, <laughs> it's, not, it's not within their realm of power to review on an agenda. Does that make sense? It's, everybody has a, your body has a limited scope and you have to operate within that limited scope, just yeah. like the city council. Oh, I understand now. I, I mean, this is important clarification because I don't know if anybody else on this body knew that like knew that the uh, we are 
we have purview over every hiring, over all the rest of the department's hiring practices, except for the most powerful, like the second most powerful position in the city, which is the police chief. But so. I, I just want to clarify. I think what Adriel is saying is, city council does not have that authority either, based on right. the charter. And that is also of concern to me personally, as a citizen and a commissioner. But um, that's that's by I digress. To see so what um, go part of what else the charter says is, I mean. The city council is in control of who, who sits in the seat of the city manager's office as well. So it's set up to give the city manager the discretion, but all powers, the, you know, what's not delegated to the city manager rests with the city council. So there, the city council, if the city council was not um, happy with the way things are going, or there's, 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 they can select a new city manager. So that's part of what's also in the charter. It's just the structure of how things are organized with powers um, of the city council versus city manager, and then uh, the council's advisory bodies. Mm. Commissioner Johnson. Yes, thank you. To, to, to follow on with that point, and then a, then a separate one. I understand the structure now, you know, mm -hmm. on it in terms of the charter and all that. I guess what I really want to speak to is that the, the reason for the formation of the commission was to meet a citywide perceived and real need for improved communications between the police department and the community. If the city manager is dedicated to that premise, there is nothing that I've heard here tonight that says that as one of his data input points, he could not consider a, a conversation and a recommendation. It's not an order. It's a recommendation from this body. Correct. Correct? Correct. Okay. Put a pin in that. <laughs> All, right. All right. Secondly, it, it, I'm, one, one of my hats is, is HR. <laughs> okay. um, I want to be clear about what is the relationship between the city human resources department and the city PD hiring officers, okay? And I've served as a, essentially a, a director of public safety in two different agencies, you know, on it with statewide powers, you know, on it. And it was exactly as you say, you know, in terms of the police hired their own and, until I got there, <laughs> you know. There is nothing that exits police from applying the same selection criteria, tenets, and sensitivities as any other employee. <laughs> and, and the city has an obligation through its EEO4 reporting to be able to lay out what is the population of applicant flow, those who, are, those who apply, what they went through the process, those that were ultimately selected to be eligible candidates, and then those who were ultimately selected to be an officer. Same process, you know, uh, there, there is a background check, you know, that, that happens, you know, that deals with, you know, whether you have a military background or security background, you know, or, or something else, or if you're transferring from another department and there are both official and unofficial conversations that happen between police departments, you know, over who who did well and who didn't do well if they were in a different department. 
you know. But again, it none of that ex exits the city's overview or responsibility to ensure that it's hiring, because police is part of the city. It's part of the city hiring is proportionate, you know, by race, creed, religion, gender, yada, yada, you know, as you go through. So, so my open question is, how is the city HR department weighing in on the police hiring process? You'll have to ask HR. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a request for a presentation potentially yeah. because that is relevant to our and, and and we will pose the question yet again to HR, but in, but in, but even in that vein, when it came down to asking for the demographics of the police department, part of the response to the formal question is that you need to go talk to HR, you know, except that at no point in in the process. Was there any conversation about HR weighed in with any oversight over what the police hiring was of officers? So there's apparently a disconnect, you know, that's going on that, that needs to get clarified. And so, Madam Chair, I would formally again request that there be a presentation from PD and the city HR department in, in terms of how are they providing that oversight and reportability. You know, until this commission asked a bunch of questions, there wasn't a whole bunch of uh, demographic information that was available from PD. That, that in and of itself is contrary to what the city's requirement is to the federal and state governments to report on what their hiring process is, who, who uh, is serving at what economic and, and title level, you know, so forth and so on between women, minorities, majorities, you know, and the like. So, I'll now shut up. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. And so th that will be added to the follow-up log. Mm -hmm. And now I have Commissioner Guerrero and then Commissioner Bliss. Uh, I'll start by saying that there really is an IT issue because names are disappearing without, I, I don't know, there's something funky going on with the system. I know you're all possibly working on it, but anyway. Um, I actually have quite a few questions, oh, not a few, just a few questions, but I wonder if the, uh, the, this topic is done. I don't want to take your role, Madam Chair, but I don't want to disrupt the flow of that topic. If it's done, I, I'll proceed with my questions. Real quick, will you be still sharing that memo with us once it's ready? Oh, there isn't, there isn't a memo. Oh, there isn't. So <laughs> no. Gotcha. There's not, there's not enough to make a memo. Right. It's, okay. yeah. Just have it in the public record. Never mind. So is it okay then to remove 13 and 15 with the re basically by removing them and then adding what um, Commissioner Wayne Johnson is asking for? I wouldn't necessarily recommend removing it per, like just yet. I would at least re request like that explanation that we just had to be kind of like transcribed or typed up so that members of the public understand why that was removed before we do. So I know we don't have like a real formal process when it comes to like how we take things on or add things on to the log per se, but. So I, you're looking for the section of the charter that states that? No, not necessarily the section of the charter that states that because I'm pretty sure Audrey L said that there isn't one specifically, but that's this is all based upon the interpretation of the city attorney. I, I want to no, I want to clarify. I think what I'm hearing Adriel say is that it's actually spelled out in the city charter. Yes, there's a non-interference section in the charter. 
there's language in the actual charter, and that's what, it's not an interpretation. It's, it's actually language in the charter. That, that's why we'd have to go back to the voters to change it. Yes, yes, I, that, that part I understand. I think that too actually would be good to like have in there. I think this whole conversation that we're having and that explanation would be good to just ha be able to have in writing like for members of the public to be able to like see, like see or, or, or review within our own log or this conversation or whatnot. But not gonna like, you know, that's. And, and I just wanna clarify, cause I was looking at the code section. If you actually look, and I just lost it. Um, looking at the actual charter or, or for the, and I should not use the word, using at the, looking at the city statutes mm -hmm. that govern our commission, it is clear that our purview is about police department hiring practices, right? right? So, okay. And that's the part that's not clear uh, based upon this, like, you know, this non-interference clause or whatnot, because, you know, when, like, to, like to somebody that's sitting, like everyday person outside in the public, when they look at the city charter and they see the code that governs our body, you would one would assume that that part around police hiring practices would include the chief of police. We're being told now that it doesn't because of that non like non interference clause and and that interpretation. So that's why it's not specifically clear. It says on paper that we do have purview over police hiring practices but there is a clear loophole for the, for the chief of police that is not explicitly stated within the law or charter. So that's why, that's all I wanted to say. Cause like, you know, we're, we're these, like these meetings are recorded over like hundreds of hours of, you know, of playing in an archive on the city's website, but it's not immediately clear unless you like, people won't really know much about it unless it is, uh, unless people dive into that meeting archive, which is why I think it's always better to have like some kind of paper records. Why I requested early on, we should have uh, like some of these meetings noted, notated or whatnot to like capture some of these key takeaways. But if we, in lieu of that, I would request like at least some kind of written memo to have that explanation at, at the bare minimum to share with future commissions that may consider that. Sorry to make your job more hard. <laughs> oh no, our our written memos are confidential. Okay. And the only public disclosure is up to city council to waive privilege. Mm. All right, Madam Chairman, and go ahead since Please. I was oh, up. Commissioner Carter. Mm -hmm. Yes, I but as the vice chair said, if somebody wanted to look this up, you got to go through hours and hours of um, finding it on the agenda. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think we started this conversation. You asked, was there a memo? And then we went down the rabbit hole about the whole explanation. So I'm in favor of the memo. Write the memo. The city council don't want to waive privilege, and they don't waive privilege, but at least write the memo. And then... Anybody want to investigate and look it up, they will see that the earnest was on the city council that they chose not to waive privilege on this subject matter. Okay, so, so here's I what I believe in hide the ball. I, I believe in the matter of transparency. You're going to be transparent, be transparent. Uh, the bylaws or whatever for the commission say one thing, and now we got a different explanation based on a different rule. So write the memo. They either gonna give the waiver or they not gonna give the waiver, but it's all in transparency. And then any member of the public, they can see that we raised the issue, we discussed it, 
you wrote the memo, the city council decided not to waive it uh, privilege, so it's all hidden. So, so we can I do don't think route it's or necessarily hidden. It's in the charter and it's also in the city code. What I could. What, uh, Audra, what I would suggest actually mm -hmm. is one of the recommendations that this body could do is actually to amend section 2.10 of 0 .03 powers and duties and commissions to clarify that our hiring practice or the hiring practices pertain to the police department. And then we can just spell out that citing the charter um, that that police that basically the police chief is hired by the city manager. I think just then everybody who sees what our purview is would be very clear as to what the jurisdiction of the commission is. Because that honestly that that recommendation we can make to city council they can make it and it actually there would be a codified statute that outlines what clearly what the commission's powers are whether it's this commission or future commission commissioners would have a clear outline of what our powers would be. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? You're saying make a recommendation? Yes, the, the commission could make a recommendation to city council mm -hmm. that as they're looking at the powers and authorities of the commission, mm -hmm. that they actually, this spells out, right? Because right now it says uh, regarding policy, uh, I'm sorry, police policy procedures and best practice, including related to community relations, hiring, then we could add another sentence to say, you know, just to clarify that the hiring is pertaining to the police officers of the department, not the police chief, pursuant to, and then cross-reference the charter. I think that clarifies it. I think it then gets you what you, you want, Vice Chair, which is in writing, and then future commissioners would be clear about what their purview of the, their authority is. Uh, Chair Castillo-Crenz, I don't think that necessarily gets to the point of like why that's being added into writing, which, you know, if we, like, I don't have a problem necessarily having that recommendation like like spelling that out to have the city council define like our explicit purview that and list that exception but like we it would also come with a rationale for why and i think that explanation that we just got around why we don't have purview over the chief of police still needs to be included in some but sort of But that would be part of the rationale for the recommendation to city council is so what we're, so the request would be then you know well the direction would be that we as a body would come up with that recommendation ourselves, but we would at, want to have the city attorney's office who, like, you know, who gave us this explanation to include, like, at least some form of, like, include that rationale in some form of writing so that we can explain that, our recommendation to members of the public. So either way, I, th I still see the need to, like, have this conversation in writing so that we can clearly articulate why we do like why there is an exception in place in, in place of this right but I, I think i think we have what we need right we have the non-interference clause in the city charter so we just have to go back and make that do that research look it up cite it and that would provide the rationale happy to talk about this offline but i, I still think like either way we're asking for like for this to be included within writing because it, it still needs to be like you know explained out because that like we just had like several people uh, comment on this uh, and ask questions directly about that because we didn't understand it. I can only imagine how, like members of the public who don't have time to uh, uh, to like to peer into this uh, kind of case law uh, to be under, like to understand it better than we do or, or whatnot. But I'm just saying like I think that we still need that in some way, shape, or form to be explained in writing to us and so that we can articulate that in any future recommendation, which. I would think one of the recommendations that I would run to recommend is that we amend city charter or like, you know, and build upon like, you know, what community members have been asking, which is to have us have more access, like more 
um, more authority and more resources to be able to do, do our jobs and understand, I can be able to dive into this, uh, into police policies and practices, uh, similar to what we heard from the community sessions. Commissioner, let's, let's take it offline and let's yeah. figure out a way of solving this. That's fine. Great. And I had uh, just additional questions. Um, that we still have Commissioner Guerrero who, was, who wanted to go on a different topic. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and then I have Commissioner uh, Adriel. I'm sorry, I was trying to take care of the two memos. <laughs> but um, hiring practices for chief, done. Right, sorry. Okay. <laughs> and then the second one, similarly, um, Rule 17 work plan. Mm -hmm. So um, as I discussed it with my higher ups, um, my understanding is it's a case by case basis, just like with the MEU we needed to figure out another way to get to council fast because, you know, if we had to take the longer route that was prescribed in 17, you guys wouldn't meet the timeline and it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't work with council's direction. Um, we, and we, there's a way around it, right? You waive the rules by uh, two-thirds vote. You ask council to waive the rules by two-thirds vote. So it's a similar thing. So basically, I have to look at each item case by case what, uh, that you want to review in order to make that determination. I cannot give a broad, uh, a general yes or, or a general no to it, if that makes sense, because it's much... The, like the recommendation we were just talking about hypothetically, like in terms of issuing from there? I'm kind of confused now. Like, sorry to... Uh, no, I'm using that as just as an example of where we're not going by Rule 17 because it would, uh, it's, it would conflict with city council direction um, and uh, you guys, you have to go by September and it would take too long. So I'm just using that as an example for how you don't go under Rule 17 and saying that I cannot give a general yes, that I have to take each item as it comes. Each issue that you want to address, I need to analyze it one at a time in order to make the assessment of whether you have to go by Rule 17, put it in the work plan, uh, go to PMP, PE, um, and then go to council. That whole process, I have to look at it case by case. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Adriel. I just want to make sure that I'm following along. Mm -hmm. um, are you talking about number 20, where there was a presentation by the clerk's office to explain the process? No. I'm talking about uh, you requested whether or not the uh, commission is limited to its work plan. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, I think we were talking about that hypothetically. We're not like, I don't think we're making No, no, no. I think, no, this was in a previous meeting where we were trying to figure out what ends up happening if something comes up that is not reflected in the work plan that the commission wants to act on. Uh, I think that's what you're referring yes. to. And so then we were asking for an outline of the process so that we could better understand how we would move forward. And I wasn't answering the outline part. No, no, no. Was, <laughs> you were just talking about what we would have to do. And to your point is, we have the work plan that is approved. That is kind of the purview. But if something happens that has to be, like the MEU is a good example. Um, Council is going to have to do a two-thirds vote to waive the rule so that we can actually present on the fifth. And so what you're saying is there are... There is a process built in that allows for flexibility and exceptions, but it's then a case-by-case -case basis. Correct. 
Okay, Sorry. thank you. I, I was confused. Better. Thank yes. you for summarizing for me. <laughs> not a problem, not a problem. Um, thank you. Okay, now, so, Commissioner. All right, so Vice Chair Blisser, so you're, are you clear? Because I had raised the issue. Yeah. I had raised the issue about the log and whether if something is not on the log, can we address it? And my recollection is that uh, Laura said that the priority what was what was on the log and whatever wasn't on the log wasn't going to be worked on. And so then the whole issue came up about having to run everything through PPE and get their blessing. So that's how we came to the issue of we wanted further information. So from what I'm hearing from Audrey is that if it's not on the work plan, then it's going to be a case by case assessment to whether or not it goes under rule 17 or whether there's a waiver or whether we're going to get to do whatever we want to do because it's not on the work plan. So it's case by case. Even the stuff on the work plan, if, if you, if timing is a crunch and you, you need to move forward without going through the uh, longer process of PP&E, even those things can be reevaluated or we find a way to get you to get you where you need to be um, in order to meet that deadline. So it's not, it's just not the things in the work plan. I think for PD and um, ACM Lara, those are things they're looking at for what they need to work on, right? From, from you, your concerns. Um, however, work plan or not, if the circumstances warrant following a different process, then that's what, um, and the, there's legal support for it, then that's what we'll do. So that's why I have to look at each individual issue that arises. Okay. Because I, I had initially thought the work plan was approved by PPE. So I, had, well, I was under the impression that they approved it, we got the green light to work on whatever's in that 2023 work plan. Then the question became, if something else came up, could we work on it? And the answer to my recollection was, you got to stick to the work plan. Uh, so we had this whole conversation. And so what I'm hearing now, if something else comes up that's not on that work plan, then it's case by case. And then you just said that in addition to that, that if on the work plan, but we got a time crunch, then that issue would also be a case by case analysis as to whether or not you go to rule 17 and get a waiver, et cetera. Right. If you have a recommendation that arises out of your work plan and you need to get that recommendation to bypass PP&E because there's some deadline that you're up against, then whether or not it's in the work plan isn't going to, you know, uh, keep you from moving forward. We have to figure, uh, there's, like I said, there's council <laughs> thirds vote waiver that if council <laughs> agreed that this is a case that needs to go around the rules, then that's what happens. It's not just what's in the work plan. It, you know, things all arise from the recommendations as well. So, and I was on um, the queue to uh, speak because I had a couple things that are kind of related to this. One was to check in about the request for a presentation around the police department's hiring practices, which is under our purview. Um, and I consider the clarification that you just gave around the police chief's hiring practices to be relevant to that portion, which is, I consider, part of under the work plans um, for the second half of the year, which is 
police department accountability and organizational culture, which, correct me if I'm wrong, hiring practices and procedures would be like would fall under both accountability as well as organizational culture. So to that end, getting us a response and a written memo to like explain why the police chief is not considered under our purview for review, but the rest of the department's uh, hiring positions are, would still fall under this, uh, this work plan from my interpretation of that. Because we're still, because like, it's still part of the organization's accountability and culture. Even the, like hiring the police chief, you know, that like within that measure. If I'm if I'm mistaken, I encourage my commissioner, like my fellow commissioners, to uh, to speak up and correct me. But I, I see I see a way that that is that having a written memo in that capacity still helps us within our purview under the work plan without having to like deviate from it per se. But to make sure that I like, that I'm clear about my first point, because I did want a, a response uh, or just a, a follow up to see where the department is at with presenting to the commission for the second half of the year around our around their hiring practices, because that is also on the log under uh, number, I think it was twelve. Um, oh, yeah, it was it was thirteen. Uh, because we have requested that of not just the city manager's office, but also the police department itself. We wanted, like, we wanted like the full hiring process presented to us, but we're being told that the city manager is not legally obligated or cannot uh, present to uh, around the hiring practices of the police chief, but the department can present around its managerial and hiring practices for rank and file, and I consider that to be part of the second half of our work plan. Does that all make sense? So I'm going to jump in because I was on the speaker queue maybe 30 minutes ago. Um, if that's okay, Madam Chair. Please. Um, this is just my opinion. I think the conversation we just had will result in, number, in us keeping number 13 with Commissioner Wayne Johnson's additions. And I'm really disappointed that it has taken us um, this long to get that presentation, if that is within our purview, and we requested it such a long time ago, go back. It's really disappointing that we can't get the basics. If that clearly is within our purview, it's a year later. Um, I, for me, I am clear on why 15 um, uh, is uh, the way it is. is for me, it is not uh, an interpretation. I, I get the, the um, charter uh, argument. Um, and I also get why there's confusion, because our rules of procedure and the uh, policy that the chair just mentioned, they add confusion. They should have, I mean, they just should have said, you know, the chief doesn't follow. Somehow clarified that. I get that. So. Um, anyway, so that's that. But I wanted to um, uh, ask, actually, I, I really would like to start this. Um, when we come to the log, I want the city to give us an update. These are requests of city or uh, city or SAC PD or who we're requesting it from to give us an update um, because there's a lot of items here. Um, is there an update? Are, are we, for example, um, well, I'm not going to give an example. There's a ton of things here, and they've been on here forever. So I would 
in the future like to request that we hear from either PD or uh, Assistant City Manager Lara and ask if there are any updates here. Um, that's the way I, I hope we, we move uh, uh, forward. Um, and there were a couple other things, but honestly, I just lost track. So I'll just stop there. Thank you, Commissioner. And we have Commissioner Sample. Commissioner Bliss. Just to add to uh, Commissioner Guerrero's request, um, I think we also are entitled to a response from the city clerk's office for that presentation around the process for you know taking recommendations or whatnot. And I think some of this too, of around the log and like getting a, a direct response from the city, if I'm not mistaken, when the city clerk's office like you know took over running of our commission, that was part of their purview was to be the liaison and go-between for us and respective like city bodies and departments to be able to answer some of these questions relative to our purview, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I think like having that, like I wanted to check in on item number 20, which was, you know, wh when can we expect the city clerk's office to present the process, you know, the uh, based upon the updates to chapter 2.49 or whatnot, or 2.40 um, for how our recommendations go through and like where PMPE is and establishing that process and all that such. And then maybe they could also, maybe the city clerk could also answer some of those, some of these questions around process of the law too. And since Jacob is representing the city clerk, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, um, we'll follow up. One of the things I'm gonna make sure in our follow-up conversation with the agenda setting with um, assistant manager, Laura, let's have a conversation about how we actually get this work done, because a lot of it, it used to be that OPSA staff would help us kind of figure this out. Um, so let's, let's put that on the agenda. Great. Okay, any other comments on the follow-up log? None. Thank you. Now we are moving for, on to the next portion of the agenda, which is comments from commissioners. Commissioner Bliss, oh, Commissioner Guerrero. Um, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to bring up two items for possible um, agenda items. Um, one, I don't know if folks here on the commission um, uh, know about the different Sacramento Bee articles. It was really. Um, really disheartening to see a couple of issues that uh, popped up recently, one around uh, discourtesy. And um, I'm really concerned with uh, some articles and how uh, SACPD was um, essentially on record showing extreme discourtesy uh, to young African-Americans. Um, and I also relatedly, uh, the use of handcuff policy on minors I understand we don't have that policy, and I understand that there's an incident where discourtesy was shown, um, clearly inappropriate behavior. Um, and so I think, Madam Chair, um, we had, um, I think you had had conversations with uh, Chief Lester about uh, discourtesy and that being an issue, and I just want to I mean, I really don't know how to put this on the agenda, but the, the one thing that occurs, for example, is asking um, 
the chief in this case, since I, I believe this is a, an, an issue that she identified as a, as a central to what she wanted to change. What is the is city, uh, what is SACPD doing different? And I emphasis on different because discourtesy has shown up in all, shows up in all of these different ways as being a core issue. And so what are we doing different that is really changing the culture to ensure discourtesy is not taking place? And I also want to just preempt by saying um, I'm not interested in hearing that this is an issue of, you know, um, new peace officers. This should not be an issue. This, 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 I can understand um, more technical errors. This is not a technical error. So um, I'd like to see if there's a way to add to the agenda some kind of conversation, some kind of presentation, some kind of information about what the city is doing, what the SACPD is doing different on addressing um, discourtesy, and then also um, uh, placing on the agenda. And I'll draft the policy if it's something that we're able to do. And Adriel, I'll just uh, bring this up to you since we said it was a one-off. Um, I'd be very interested in drafting a recommendation um, going as far as drafting a, a, pos a policy for SACPD to consider in regards to minors and uh, the use of handcuffs. Actually, I think that's not false. That falls within the work plan because that was one of the things I think that we were hoping to address is unbecoming conduct and discourteous behavior. And again, I think the way that you know I see it is customer service. If you have a bad, and that at the end of the day, how police kind of shows up in community, that is gonna be your first interaction. It's also your first interaction many times. It could be interaction with government. And so it's really an important issue. I don't think you were part of the ad hoc. I'm adding you on to the ad hoc. Oh, sorry, sub work, small working group. We don't have ad hocs anymore. But, because um, I think that is, as we are wrapping up MEU, that is gonna be the next focus on the work plan, that insurgent seizure. Okay, great. Thank you for bringing that up. Commissioner Bliss? Uh, yes, just a couple of things. I wanted to bring something up that I um, forgot to mention uh, during the MEU conversation, which um, was around like uh, a specific recommendation about detailing the auditing procedure uh, when it comes to the inventory because um, there were, it was raised to me from looking at the staff report for tomorrow's Law and Ledge Committee meeting at 11 a.m that uh, the department is declaring uh, like hundreds uh, and uh, hundreds of new uh, items, uh, quantity items uh, under its respective categories that show a significant number of, uh, significant amount of equipment that I think is relevant to how much they are uh, going to the council to request when it comes to like reimbursing some of those equipments. Uh, one of those being uh, 200, like they found in their updated inventory over 200 uh, patrol rifles um, from Colt manu uh, manufactured by Colt that was not previously included in last year's policy or the uh, 2021 annual use report. It is now uh, in the latest draft, but um, it also found hundreds more of uh, uh, defense technology um, 40 millimeter grenade rounds, um, and uh, including uh, also more uh, cases of of uh, rifle rounds as well, even, uh, even as it's requesting over 200,000 
um, rounds in this current cycle should the city council decide to approve its policy. That I wanted to like just raise attention to that and like the need uh, and like add that as one of the considerations that our work group is going to be discussing when it comes to um, uh, additional recommendations that we're going to send to city council. But the other one uh, comment that I wanted to make was to uh, Commissioner Guerrero's uh, uh, like you know uh, outrage at that like at the level of courtesy that police uh, that Sacramento Police Department continues to show uh, to members of the public as well as to this body and the fact that it continue like it could send somebody here to be like to attend presently um, even if you know like even if it's just a, a, a temporary one uh, in response you know to somebody needed to step out for uh, a family emergency could be like have somebody here to be available to answer our questions but chooses not to and we're one of the only bodies in the city that doesn't have direct access or or do, doesn't seem to have somebody from the department that it's charged with overseeing uh, or providing input to actually present within these bodies and that speaks volumes to the level of respect that it seems like the department shows to the rest of the community how can we expect them to be courteous to members like to members of the public when we can't even be courteous enough to show up and be available for us to answer questions to them in these meetings and those reports that I saw recently are beyond upsetting like I I've it's no secret uh, my deep see uh, like my how I feel about this I'm data-driven and I wasn't here or present for the uh, search and audit presentation, but one of the things that we, I would request for next uh, meeting, which I believe we're already working on, is having that search and audit report from OPSA presented at our next uh, commission meeting. Because what was found in that is by far, to, like, to my understanding, the most in-depth um, look at a specific policy procedure like to date. And that's on top of three additional studies that have shown profoundly racist outcomes in literally every measurement of service that the department offers. And yet, when I looked at the video uh, of the presentation from, uh, from the PD's response, not only did I hear, like, did I hear the department essentially, like, essentially accuse OPSA all but lie about its, like, about its report and its findings, but actually deny the existence of racism within its culture, within the culture of law enforcement. I've been told before by members of the department that I am, quote, too biased against law enforcement because I, like, because of my criticisms uh, as a member of, as an individual private member of the public. But my criticism in calling the police department profoundly racist in its culture is not based upon my own subjective opinion. It's based upon objective, observable fact. There are like three studies over the last 20 years that have shown that police, uh, that the Sacramento Police Department stops uh, black motorists more than twice, the, like more than twice uh, like the number of any other motorists. And the most recent, most comprehensive study that we have showed that the department overstops them nearly three times as often as white motorists. Um, and then even non, and for when it comes to non-traffic stops, which this audit actually covered, that, report, that same report from the Center of Policing Equity showed that uh, the police department stops uh, black pedestrians over six times as often as white pedestrians and then uses force against, against black residents four and a half times as often as white residents. That isn't subjective to say that, that is profound, those are profoundly racist outcomes. That is, like, that is observable evidence of racism. So it doesn't help me 
to understand that the department, like to believe that the department is coming to us or working with members of the city council or the community in good faith when they can't even acknowledge the profoundly racist outcomes in its practices. I think that's something that makes the department its own worst enemy because if it just acknowledged that yes, the department it like does exist and like modern law enforcement in the United States comes from the former practice of slave patrols and is a reform upon that like that previous institution. We like how on earth are we going to even get to the bottom of the problems like that we are seeking to address from this body? We hit, like the first step is always to acknowledge there is a problem to begin with, and I was profound. I, Saying that I was profoundly disappointed with the response from uh, the department around this report is an understatement. I hope that when we have this presented to us in the uh, in the uh, next month or two, that we like that we get a much different response, night and day. But that's wait to be seen. Show me, like I hope the department comes uh, comes prepared, but can't really expect much when they're not even here to really be available for just basic questions from us. So that's all, that's all I really had to say from that. Commissioner Carter. Yeah, I want to piggyback on what the vice chair said um, to the extent that I believe the issue is with the city council because vice chair is correct. We've had three reports or four reports and it, they all say the same thing. So. We're not learning new information, and this has been going on 20 years. Um, I was on the Racial Profiling Commission where they we hired a vendor, and he came and did traffic data analysis, same information. We had community workshops, rolled out all the information to the community, same situation, black, brown being stopped more than other races. So now we're... 20 years beyond that, and we're still getting the same data. We're spending all this money on this study and that study and this report, and the, the data is not changing, the outcome is not changing, and it's all being presented to city council, no matter who's on the city council, it's resting with the city council. So the question is, when is the city council going to do something about it? instead of spending money on another report and another report and kicking the can down the road. You know, they created this body and now they have to, you know, at least give the, the impression <laughs> that they've taken us seriously. But the bottom line, the way I see it, it falls on the city council. We sit here, we volunteer all our time, and we got all these recommendations pending, and we're going to give them some new new recommendations, but the outcome is what are they going to do about it? Are they going to order through uh, the city manager? Are they going to order him to tell a city, the chief of police to have a representative come to the meeting? That's on them, whether, that we don't have somebody sitting here. And we don't have the person sit here with this new change in administration. Up until then, we had a person. Now we don't have anybody. But the city council, they hire the city manager. So if the city manager got all the control with the, the, the police department, if the city council is going to really do something, they either got to change the city manager or they got to take us more seriously. But, you know, all these reports, 
are saying the same thing. So now we got the search and seizure, which to us, we are a person of color. We already know the outcome, but now it's memorialized. And so we're back to the same thing. What is the city council going to do? Don't. That's my two cents. We could sit here all day long. We come here month after month. I've been here since 2017. We still waiting on recommendations as far as the discipline. I worked on the discipline. Mario did the matrix. So that's still up in the air. So we're generating all this work, but I don't see the city council really doing anything. I just want to kind of echo what um, Commissioner Carter is saying. Right, and that's I think what we're hoping to get accomplished with the MEU process. They asked us to get a work plan together. We are doing that. We are basically gonna show up, you know, the results of the community forum. At the end of the day, we can kind of bang our heads for PD not being here. But at the, we have enough information. The reason I think the search and seizure, the unbecoming conduct became part of the work plan was because that was a report that actually OSA put out where we started to notice that the incidences were, the numbers speak for themselves. So the question is, okay, now we have the data. Why don't we actually spend some time doing it? And back to Commissioner Carter, at the end of the day, and this is one of the things I think that was really frustrating about some of the community forums, is community is not wrong about the fact that, yes, they appreciate our role, they appreciate the work we do, but at the end of the day, what are we getting done? And so to me, it really kind of is about what what are we willing to do when it comes to holding the elected officials that have the authority to actually change policy accountable? And I think to me, it is gonna be really, really, I don't even know what word to use if, if the community basically looks at the MEU process all the time that they also spent to try to kind of show up and provide the comments and nothing comes of it. Because of that, at the end of the day, is to me, the proof is in the pudding. The council is the one that created us. The council is the one that is helping us kind of do some of these community forums. And I hope it's more than just for show because that doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the relationships between community and police. It doesn't continue to promote additional trust in government. And so to me, that's part of the reason I think many of us continue to be here, even though we're frustrated because we believe in what can be done when we all come together. But at the end of the day, it's up to the electeds to do what they, they can within the power in the charter. So with that, any other further comments from other commissioners? One last thing that I wanna kind of, I think everybody got an email from me um, providing uh, information about the Sacramento Police Community Advancement Academy. That is coming up. You have to submit just kind of a application and it's due, I believe later this month, I think it begins um, August 24th. So you have an email, please, if you're interested in going, um, it is a five week program and it is basically to showcase some of the work that PD does and the interplay between um, businesses and other community members. So this is, gives you an opportunity to really kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit. Five weeks, it's coming up soon. So with that, any public comments that we have or any things not on the agenda from the public? Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Okay, with that, meeting adjourned. <laughs>